One of my favorite quotes is, we don't meet people by accident. They're meant to cross our path for a reason. Hi, it's Tony Chapman, host of the podcast, Chatter That Matters. Someone who crossed my path recently is Joe Parenteau. He's the founder of a company called Fable. I met him when I was doing a mentoring event for Techstars. It's an organization run by Sunil Sharma, who you'll meet later in the podcast. He's one of our thought leaders. Joe was sharing the story of his company, Fable. It's Vancouver-based, and they make premium crafted dinnerware that they sell directly to the consumer. My first reaction when I heard his story is that Fable didn't stand a chance against Wayfair and Amazon. So why is Joe and Fable our next feature story? Well, stay tuned. Joe Parenteau, welcome to Chatter That Matters. Yeah, really excited to be here. Joe, a lot of stores and online retailers sell dinnerware. What makes you different? We sell directly to our customers, which allows us to really own the customer experience from end to end. So as opposed to designing it, creating it, and then just selling it to like a pottery barn or licensing it out, we then actually get to you know give it to our customers and make that experience of you know outfitting your home and creating uh, a very special space at the at the dinner table. We get to do that um, from end to end, which is something that like we're really um, we're really excited about. Joe, we'll get back to Fable, but first I want to know more about you. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, just played a lot of golf growing up. Four. I was very fortunate. Got a golf scholarship to a school down in Missouri. Did you get a degree or just a lot of birdies? When I moved home to Regina, I actually was an accountant. I worked at a CPA firm, thought that it was going to be my career. I'm sensing a but. I wanted to move to Vancouver, and I, I thought I was going to an accounting company called Bench Accounting. But it turns out uh, not only does Bench do um, bookkeeping, they're also a tech company. So what did you do there? I was thrown you know, headfirst into the tech space, learning about operations, uh, scaling teams, managing teams. Um, and really just, you know, how that entire ecosystem of tech works. Was Ben successful? Yeah, it grew rapidly. I think when I was hired, I was hired in at maybe employee number 30 something. And by the time I left, we had just passed 200. So it was, it was going through hyper growth. Uh, on the tech side, it was all about, you know, automating the process of bookkeeping and um, not making it so manual and so tedious for small businesses. So I was always really inspired. I had a portfolio of small businesses that I was able to work directly with. And it was always inspiring to see them out on their own, um, building something that, you know, bettered the world. And what was your next move? Real estate marketing company called Avenue. What did you do there? Online marketing for real estate agents, a similar mission. Real estate agents are essentially small business owners. And marketing is something that takes up a lot of their time. And it's not always something they're really great at. So Joe, Regina-born, golf scholarship to the States, an accounting degree, you move to Vancouver, fall into the tech space, excel at it, a great backstory, but why the plot shift to becoming an entrepreneur? That's such a good question. At the start, I never knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I did know that I loved to build things. You know, at a young age, I was obsessed with Lego, as a lot of kids are, and I love to create things from nothing. There's a consistent theme throughout this series is feed our children's curiosity. Remember Ernesto? Food was always a huge part of my family's culture. He learned to cook with his mother and his grandmother. My mother, my grandmother, they were both great cooks. Sheena, going to the bakery with her dad. 
he used to actually take me into the Sobeys Bakery after hours. Joe growing up in a fishing village, and when the cod runs out, his boating skills are the bedrock to his whaleboat touring operation. As young people, our parents were telling us that the future didn't look bright in the fishery and that we probably should change our way of life. Time and time again, those first impressions turn into an impressive career. So Joe, building things from nothing with Lego is one thing, but building a business is very different. When I was at Bench, I think that was the time when I realized in the future I want to I want to do this myself. I want to build a company that can make you know an impact on the world, something that could be really big, a household name. Joe, I love the way you dream. Really big, a household name. And every kid with a guitar dreams of playing to a sold-out stadium. Every kid with a stick wants to score an overtime Stanley Cup goal. Dreaming's one thing, doing's another. How did you find your stage to stand on? Another really good question. We had really no experience doing direct-to-consumer goods, but I love interior design. Interior design is a big space. How did you narrow it down to dinnerware? I love, you know, the concept of design in general. But, you know, all of the co-founders, when we were talking about eating at home and hosting friends, that's something we're all really passionate about. Entrepreneurs are often labeled as passionate. And I suppose that's true. But I think a lot of their passion comes from focusing on areas they're really excited about and wanting to share that excitement with others. So, Joe, you launched Fable. It's a dinnerware company that sells direct to the consumer. How can you possibly compete with Wayfair or Amazon that sells everything to the consumer? When I think of, you know, Amazon and Wayfair, they definitely create um, interesting products, but they're, you know, they're more of a curator. So they assemble products from different brands. So if they're a curator, what are you? We create the products ourselves and we make sure everything fits together. So we offer far less choice than Amazon and far less choice than Wayfair. But all of our pieces go together really well. And they make outfitting the space really easy. Make sure everything fits together. Sounds like a young Joe playing with his Lego. Being on like a Wayfair website, you're going to scroll through what I, you know, a hundred different dinnerware sets. At Fable, you can choose between a couple colors. But at the end of the day, all of our dinnerware, our ceramics are all going to match our cutlery colors perfectly. Now you design in Vancouver, but you source in Portugal. Why Portugal? We were looking for ethical craftsmanship and making sure that our products were sustainably made. So when we searched, and we searched the entire globe to find partners that could do that, Portugal actually aligns to that really, really well. What else do you look for in a supplier? Um, they also were able to do uh, a lot of our designs and do it really well. And then I think finally, the the other really big component is we just wanted a really good working relationship with them. And you know the Portuguese... People are just, they're so welcoming and so friendly. It just made a ton of sense. Um, we could tell that they were going to be partners that we could work with for a very long time. So Joe, where do you see Fable in the future? As we continue to build out products across the entire table, we really hope to take it across to more spaces in the home. How are you going to stay focused? Outfitting a home, it should feel exciting, but most people find it actually that it's you know frustrating and actually overwhelming. It's very hard to outfit a space that looks beautiful, that looks like it could be on Instagram. So for us, we're starting on the dinner table, and we hope to do that across multiple spaces across the home and make it and really transform the experience of, of home decor. Here's another lesson that's proven true with every successful entrepreneur that I've interviewed. It's not what you do or sell. It's why you matter to the people who matter most to you. 
Remember Paul Hambro, Episode 2 in Health Hub Solutions? It wasn't his amazing technology. It was putting the future of healthcare in the patient's hands. It was an equipment company. Now we're a digital healthcare company. So, Joe, what have you learned about being an entrepreneur? I've learned a lot. I've learned uh, that you got to wear a lot of hats uh, really early on. You essentially you need to be able to do a little bit of everything, a lot of things that you're not an expert in. Uh, for example, in supply chain, it's not something that we had done before. I didn't know how to work with different you know, creators and different partners across the entire world. We had no idea. But it actually it really tests you to figure things out and figure things out really quickly. I would say it's it's almost like kind of going to school for business. For anybody wanting to be an entrepreneur, build their business, build their career. It's about making things happen versus watching and wondering what happened. You need that attribute in a world that's changing at the speed of life. Joe, we've talked about your competitors and we've talked about your dream of making Fable a world-renowned brand. What kind of advice can I bring you? The first is people that could help us understand more of what it takes to develop a brand and what that, what that means. I have the perfect individual, Joe Mimran, who created Joe Fresh and many other incredible brands. He is world-renowned. We have branding covered. What else can we help you with? We'd love to learn more on the capital front as well, you know, from fundraising through even using uh, banks as a way to obtain capital for inventory and things like that. It's, it's very new to us and something that we are constantly exploring. What's the best way to grow Fable? And, you know, how, we know how much capital it takes, but, you know, how do you obtain that capital? What's the best way? Joe, I'm going to ask Sunil Sharma, who's an absolute thought leader on how to scale technology businesses. And also Lori Darlington from RBC, who offered Tracy Shepard some incredible insights in our first episode of Series 1. I think having both their perspectives will help you put the blocks together to build your dream. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Tony Chapman. I'm proud to host the podcast Chatter That Matters and equally proud that RBC is my presenting sponsor. RBC is launching Canada United. It's a national movement to promote the importance of driving Canada's economy forward by having us all shop local. RBC's brought together over 60 of Canada's leading brands and organizations, all adding up to a nationwide shopping event the weekend of August 28th. But it doesn't stop there. Pull out your mobile devices because every time you watch, read, and like the Canada United videos and posts or hashtag Canada United on Twitter, RBC will donate five cents up to $2 million to support small business, the heart of our economy. Here's to RBC and to all of you because small business matters. Joe Parentel, one of the things you asked for help was on your brand. How could it become world renowned? Well, I went to the top. Another Joe, Joe Mimram, former Dragon, founder of Club Monaco, the Joe and Joe Fresh, and so many other spectacular success stories. First question I asked Joe was, what did you think of Fable? It's nice. Joe, saying it's nice is kind of like saying it's interesting. I think the product looks beautiful, tasteful. Um, It's limited. It's a very, very narrow skew base. Well, they can fix that. Any other concerns? It's not an inexpensive product. So then the real question is? Can they take it to the next level? Uh, a lot of people will start these businesses. They get it to, you know, three to five million, and that's as far as it goes. Joe Mimran had his hands on Fable. What would he do first? Entrepreneurs fall in love with their own ideas. And, and you know, they say, I'll get proven right over time. And... 
you know, that is a really slippery slope because you could turn around and in the blink of an eye, you've spent 10 years and the, and the project has never gone any further. So I always say, make sure you really are fulfilling a consumer need. And secondly, I would look at my pricing and I would want to make sure that, that I've got enough uh, demand. What about Fable's branding? It's a noisy world. What steps does Joe Parenteau need to have his brand get noticed? You got to spend money. You have to get out there and pound away at your story uh, and really ensure that people know you for this. You've got to break through somehow. What is it that you're offering that's different than everybody else? Do you see a difference? What I'm seeing is not that different from what I can find. I can do a quick search on Etsy and find a lot of handmade uh, handmade uh, products, stoneware, uh, stoneware product or porcelain product. So how does he make Fable stand out? He's got to become the master of tabletop. If you really want to win in tabletop. And he isn't there yet. I don't see uh, even an explanation as to why I should buy uh, his uh, stoneware versus, say, earthenware or porcelain or bone china. Uh, What is the history of the product? Who designed the product? So he needs an authentic story. Combination of having something that differentiates them, a sourcing method that differentiates them, a product that they really can explain to consumer, and then they market the hell out of it. Joe, final question. If he walked into the dragon's den, would he come out alive? I say to him that he needs much more work to be done um, in terms of developing his business plans, you know, how much they're selling and what kind of margin they're getting and, uh, and cost of acquisition for customers and all, all, the, all that good stuff. He needs to prove to me that he can really Uh, get this thing turbocharged. Joe Mimran, it's been an absolute honor. I can include your backstory as a bonus feature in this podcast. Thank you again. No, my pleasure, Tony. I follow you and uh, I think you do great work and uh, always, always great to hear from you. So Joe, Joe Mimran, he's done what you're after, world-renowned brands. What do you think of what he had to say? Yeah, I I thought it was spot on. I think it's uh, exactly the path that we're looking to go. Um, so yeah, I really, I really appreciate it. It almost makes me feel like we are, you know, some of the adjustments that we're making right now are the right adjustments. Lori Darlington, VP from RBC is our next thought leader. She's also a repeat giver. She provided some terrific support for our first small business owner, Tracy Shepard and Meditation Works. Lori, welcome back to Chatter That Matters. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, hearing all of the podcast series as they've uh, continued to evolve. So well done and thank you. Well, Tracy and I have kept in touch and I'm actually doing a team event with my team. Oh, that's amazing, Laurie. And your team will love Meditation Works. Now, my first question is, what did you think of Fable and Joe Parenteau? I just absolutely loved hearing Joe's journey and finding his way to entrepreneurship. I have huge respect for his company. So what did you respect most? Different small businesses that I speak to, one of the challenges that many of them have is figuring out truly what differentiates them from the competition. Joe Mimran wasn't that certain he has found that point of differentiation, but you feel differently. Why? There's no shortage of dinnerware choices out there, but what I love about what Joe has done is that he isn't just selling 
dinnerware. He is selling a unique experience and it's everything that he's wrapped around and put into that product um, around just doing something positive in the world. So it's differentiation is absolutely key to success of a small business. And I think Joe's done a great job with that. So Joe has to build his business. What advice can you give him? It's really that well thought out business plan. How would you know it's well thought out? You work through that business plan with a SWOT analysis to really deeply understand the strengths and weaknesses and the opportunities and threats. And I imagine with COVID, that SWOT analysis has to be current. Much of that has changed since COVID. So regardless of if it's an exercise a business has gone through in the past, um, it's a really important reflection to, to take on. So does Joe do that SWOT analysis in isolation or does he bring in other people, for example, bankers, lawyers and advisors? From my perspective, the more partners that you can engage and bring in and have that conversation with, the more that you're going to either have your views validated and how you're thinking about things, but they'll also be able to bring different ideas and different considerations to the table, which will only help you strengthen that business plan that you've got. Bringing outside advisors, especially your bank, takes some courage. I mean, you're talking about your weaknesses and, and threats, exposing your warts. What's the upside? Um, so often, I think that there is a bit of a stereotype in terms of, of just keeping very focused on, you know, which financial products do I need? But there is a wealth of advice. You think about the number of businesses that we talk to on a daily business that we support, that we help grow. Um, we've got great, great, um, a, a lot of different views and a lot of different insights to be able to share back, which will benefit other organizations as well. Lori, any final messages for Joe and Fable? I would take a moment just to applaud Joe and Fable for everything that they have done. The vision that they have brought to life um, through their business comes through so loud and clear and I think is a real differentiator and I think he's got a potential to have great success. So I wish him all the best. Lori Darlington from RBC, a repeat giver to small business owners. Thank you once again. So Joe, what'd you think of a uh, pretty senior person at RBC waiting in on your business? Yeah, I really appreciate her thoughts. And I think the, the SWOT analysis is, uh, is completely spot on. And I think that it's something that we, we do frequently visit, but maybe not in the depth that, that we could. And then I think even the depth that she's suggesting. So I think that's some great advice and something we can take action on right away. Joe, you know my next expert, Sunil Sharma. He's the Managing Director of Techstars Toronto. And you've been mentored by his amazing organization. Speaking of amazing... Sunil is so passionate about Canada, our new economy, you and your business. First thing I ask Sunil is what does Techstars do? We invest in startup companies and particularly in founders. So how do you do that? So we operate more than 50 uh, accelerator programs around the world. And I happen to have the privilege of running the one here in Toronto. Sunil, the universe works in such wonderful ways. I, I met Fable and Joe when you asked me to do a Mentor Madness session where I chatted with 10 of your startups over the course of one morning. I like Joe and his business, but I am curious, given how many startups you see, what's your take? I remember in the middle of winter, I was uh, seeing this application from a company that I had not yet heard of. That was a direct-to-consumer e-commerce company building a brand in tableware. So you like the category. What else do you look for? Uh, the first thing I, I like to do is kind of do a bit of investigation into the founders themselves. What did you discover? They had a team of three co-founders, which is uh, which is generally a good start. Uh, it shows that there's a nice balance across the company. Anything else? 
two of them had been working at one of the most more successful Techstars alumni companies of many of recent years. It's called Bench. It's an accounting software company that's based in Vancouver. So strong pedigree is important. What about the idea? I have to be honest, when I first heard about Fable and where they're competing, I thought, well, Wayfair, Amazon, The Bay, and Pottery Barn, a lot of places have tableware covered. Well, that's a fair, very fair observation. I think, um, you know, I, I immediately started thinking about, number one, the rise of e-commerce and direct-to-consumer brands. Give me some examples. You know, I look at my away luggage and I think to myself, you know, this company was really just started as a direct-to-consumer e-commerce brand just a short number of years ago. And look at it now. There's talk of it having, you know, a billion-dollar valuation. Uh, the Allbirds shoes that uh, I've purchased online. And then, you know, Casper, mattresses. So what made these brands successful in a crowded space? Branding and with a proper, you know, introduction of technology and kind of market positioning, they can, they can become very large companies. And you think the area of Fable plays tableware, they stand a chance. So what should Joe do next? A lot of it is defining their category and learning from those who have done it in, you know, in distinct but somewhat related verticals. So it's really, as we talked about a little earlier here on this call, mentorship. What kind of mentorship? So we were able to match the team with one of the co-founders of another wildly successful Canadian direct-to-consumer brand called Mijuri. And they are in the jewelry space. And, you know, they've done incredible work. They've grown uh, this company um, quite quickly. And so Maj Massad, who's one of the two co-founders, is, is, a, is a, a lead mentor, let's say, for Fable. That's smart. Finding someone to mentor you that has already blazed their own path. So how is it working out? They're really learning a lot of the, the tricks, the pitfalls, some of the strategies. And, I'll, and I'll, 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 you know, in, in addition, it goes down to advertising and marketing and PR expertise, branding expertise, and, you know, really getting that name uh, to be out there in front of their audience, which uh, in the case of Fable are millennials who like to outfit their homes beautifully, like to entertain at home, but don't want to shop the way that I guess I shopped, which is, you know, buying buying these kind of things either at the Hudson's Bay or at, you know, one of the one of the uh, Williams-Sonoma type stores. So, Sunil, let's bring this back to Techstars. Where does Joe stand with your accelerator platform? Techstars is just a three-month-long experience for the founders and for, for us on the program side. And we're investors, and we're nearing the end of Techstars. So we're in the final stretch, and we're preparing this company and the other nine companies for Demo Day. So Demo Day is where investors come in to look at the business. What does Joe serve up beyond great plates and dinnerware? What we're seeing with Fable um, is revenue. So we're seeing that this company is able to sell uh, their products to their audience. And that's quite positive, quite exciting. And it also gives the company some options, I think, that they don't have to be desperate for funding or dilute themselves more than they want to. That gives them an advantage. So they can look beyond just their capital needs. They can really bring in strategic partners to grow sales, expand their product line, get their margins improved. A lot of it comes down to PR and advertising and product positioning and marketing. Sunil, any final thoughts for Joe or my listeners? I just want to encourage people to follow this company on their journey. It's techstars.com is our website. We're going to graduate this class on September 3rd with nine other startups, all in different verticals. And then we're going to start the process again. So if you're a passionate, uh, driven entrepreneur and got a great team behind you or around you, we want to meet you here at Techstars Toronto. 
So, um, Joe, what did you think of Sunil? Yeah, I thought it was good. I, I, I'm really fortunate to get to meet with Sunil, you know, on a two or three time a week basis. So, uh, he's very up to speed with what we're doing at Fable. And I, uh, yeah, I appreciate his remarks and, and thoughts on what we're doing. Joe, you've had some incredible words of wisdom given you in this podcast. And I want to leave you with mine. Attention is the oxygen of almost all human endeavor. And today in this age of noise, most brands, ideas, and even careers are starving for attention. There's just too much chasing a finite amount of time. And it's becoming increasingly challenging and expensive to be heard. So how can Fable be heard? My advice to any brand, large or small, is stop trying to be the hero. Where your product is designed or sourced doesn't matter unless it matters to me. Make your messaging about your customers' moments and not simply your merchandise. What happens at my dinner table, the parties that I throw, the unique food that I create and serve, the conversations that begin with an appetizer and then run late into an evening? And create some finishing touches as a surprise and delight. When I open my box, maybe there's custom napkins or even offer and sell personalized napkin rings. Cross-promote by offering me an exclusive Crimes Against Humanity cards or, or a recipe card. Partner with other direct-to-the-consumer food companies. Or even Port from Portugal. Remember, above all, in this age of noise, you only matter if you matter to me. And with that, my friend, a toast to your future success. I really do appreciate it. Don't go away yet. Otherwise, you'll miss this exclusive Chatter That Matters bonus with Joe Mimran. Joe Mimran, everybody knows Club Monaco and Joe Fresh, and most recognize you as a dragon on Dragon's Den. But let's connect all the dots from my listeners and tell me a little bit about your story. Sure. I mean, I started way back. I uh, The minute I got my, uh, my CA chartered accountancy, which a lot of people don't realize that I started that way, uh, the minute I got it, I went right into business with my brother and my mother. We opened a small factory in the Spadina area, right on Richmond. It was a three-story walk-up, no heat in the in the winter and no aircon in the summer. And we started with six sewing machines. and And I realized very quickly that that really all the power was with the retailers or the big international brand. So we went down to New York. We tried to pick up uh, Oscar de la Renta's brand. I met with Oscar and he said, great, we're going to give you the brand for Canada. Because that's what Canadians did. They never created their own brand. And as we were coming home, my brother and I were talking, saying, well, why are we paying him a royalty? Why don't we create our own brand? It was at that point uh, that, you know, life changed. We were so naive uh, that sometimes naivete gets you to do good things. And and, and that was a big turn for us. So we hired a woman that we're going to make you famous. You're going to be our designer. She left after three months saying she got a better offer. So we brought in Alfred Sung, said we're going to make you famous. And within three years, he hit the cover of McLean's Magazine in Canada as the king of Canadian fashion. And we were relentless. Uh, you know, we built one of the best factories in Canada, putting out high-end sportswear. And then... In 1984, I had this idea. I couldn't find a perfect white shirt. I looked all over the place and uh, created Club Monaco from that need. And we kind of fell into it. You know, talk about radical transparency. We cut out the wholesale model. Everything was wholesale back then. 
even Gap was generation Gap when they sold Levi's in their stores. So this idea of verticality really was very, very new. And the idea of one thumbprint across uh, across all categories, which is what we did with Club Monaco. We opened up in 85 to lineups on Queen Street every Saturday, and that continued for a long time. And then we went public, and then we went private, and we partnered with a bunch of people. And then I took the, uh, the Club Monaco brand to uh, Korea, took it to Japan, took it into the States. And then in uh, 1999, I got a call from someone vice chairman of uh, polo organization and said, you know, I love what you're doing. Can we get together for coffee? I said, fine, let's get together. I thought he, he was truly interested in just getting together for coffee. It didn't dawn him. He said, well, can I fly up to Toronto to meet you? <laughs> so I knew right there and then they were interested in the brand. And it shocked me because Ralph had never stepped outside of his own brand to buy another brand. So this was really uh, quite remarkable. We had opened our store in New York, in the Flatiron District in, in 1990, uh, it was uh, 98, 96, 97. When he, you know, he saw our store, he really wanted to have this as part of his portfolio. So we sold the company. I went, uh, became a consultant, a uh, branding consultant. And I got a call from Loblaws and they said, hey, can you do some home products for us? Because I had done a concept called Caban, which was all about lifestyle home products and developing furniture and things. So, you know, that turned into, well, you know, you've done all this home products for us. Will you do an apparel product? I said, well, that happens to be my, my absolute sweet spot. So we did that, created Joe Fresh, and that turned into, uh, as you know, fairly substantial business. Became number one in, in dollars and units within five years of launching in Canada. So that was a, a great success. Then I retired uh, about five years ago. I did the TV show Dragon's Den for three years. Uh, and then I got the itch again. And, you know, now I've been consulting to Kroger's in the States and creating a line for them and uh, consulting to Staples in the States. I've created a bunch of lines for them. And I created my own line called Gray Matter here in Canada to Staples as well. And and I've invested in a myriad of companies, and I'm also chairman of Gibraltar uh, and Company, which is a PE firm that in, has a, a bunch of different investments. We're now in harvesting mode. Uh, that's fully uh, fully invested, that fund, and still looking at all kinds of different opportunities. I love entrepreneurs, and I think I, I wrapped up my whole life in five minutes. To find details on how RBC supports its business clients, visit rbc.com slash business. You've been listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Tony on Twitter at Tony Chapman, through LinkedIn at Tony Chapman Reactions, or visit his website, TonyChapmanReactions.com. Chatter That Matters is produced by Tony Chapman Reactions and Eye Contact Productions.